Ladies and gentlemen, you found the program that pulls no punches, that knocks out political correctness, and delivers a right cross to defend the Constitution. We call it Fighting Words. And now, entering the ring, retired infantry colonel, trial lawyer, and fighter for truth and justice, Kurt Schlichter. Hey everybody, welcome to Fighting Words, the Kurt Schlichter podcast that's affiliated with Hugh Hewitt, which basically means I don't swear as much as I do on Unredacted, my town hall VIP podcast, which comes out usually every Monday. And I kind of do this every Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever I get the feel. And boy, I'm feeling it now. We got a lot to talk about. Let's ship right out and talk about the Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, I'm recording this on Tuesday, the 7th of April. And it looks like uh, Secretary of the Navy Modley has resigned. Um, which I'm kind of sad about. I thought his interview with Hugh on Friday was magnificent. I, was, I thought it was note perfect. And I I strongly support his decision to relieve the commander uh, with some caveats. Uh, I found his decision to go on board the ship and give a long, well, it wasn't a long, but it was a, a, a rather direct speech to the crew Probably not something I would have done, and I understand why he got canned. And um, would I have canned him if it was president? Well, who cares? I'm not the president. Eh, I don't know if I would have or wouldn't have. Uh, I probably wouldn't have given the speech, at least not in the way he did, for a couple reasons. Let's talk about all that. You know I have a little military background. I was, a uh, like Captain Crozier, I was an 06. I was a uh, full colonel. He's a captain. And I commanded at a number of levels throughout. I never commanded a major strategic asset like an aircraft carrier. Aircraft carrier is kind of a strange 06. That's captain or full colonel, uh, uh, the level. 01 to 010 is the, are, the, are the various ranks. The 01 is a new second lieutenant or an ensign. The, uh, the 10 is an admiral or a general, you know, a four-star. So he's an 06. He's uh, an 06. Pretty big deal. Only maybe like 1% of people make 06 rank one or two percent of guys who get uh, commission uh and to get to become the commander of an aircraft carrier is a huge deal which is you know which is why i was kind of stunned by what he did now what did captain crozier do captain crozier uh was faced with about a hundred of the five thousand folks on his ship coming down with coronavirus none were on ventilators None were hospitalized. None were in really serious conditions. Very young uh, crew, very vital. You know, just if somebody's got to have it, these are guys who want to have it. Still a very, very bad thing. Obviously, he was concerned. Now, he writes this letter basically saying, hey, you you know, you got to take us offline. Um, We can't really do our job. We'll do it if we have to, but we're not at war. You need to get everybody off this ship. Writes a four-page letter about it. And my question, when I first saw this, I was like, what? Why would you write a four-page letter about this? Now, there's this thing called a chain of command. Everybody's got a commander. The Air Force, or the aircraft carrier commander, the captain, has a carrier task force commander who's an admiral. 
And actually, the flagship of the carrier task force is on the carrier. So it's like two doors down. So the commander comes out of his cabin. Uh, the captain. See, I'm, I'm still Army. I talk commanders. If I, if I say captain, you know what I mean. Or commander, you know what I mean, captain. He comes out. He walks two doors down goes to the task force commander. Because aircraft carriers don't go anywhere alone. They go with like dozens of ships. They go with dozens and dozens of ships. Well, maybe not dozens of dozens, but they go with a lot of ships. They go with a lot of ships. That's what a task force commander does. He commands all the other ships. So why didn't Captain Crozier walk down to his admiral and say, hey, you know, my my, my crew's in danger. My, uh, uh, you know, I've got this disease running rampant on the ship. It is not, but now, let's be very clear. This is an important consideration. And it does affect combat readiness. Here's the question, though. What do you do when your commander makes a decision that you don't like? Now, commanders make decisions you don't like all the time. And remember, everybody's got a commander. Even even, uh, the the, the chief of staff of the uh, Joint Chiefs, you know? Chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff. He's got a commander. It's the President of the United States. Everybody in uniform has a commander. So you're always working for someone. And sometimes you don't like what they say. That's part of life. They get to make that decision. You know what? You get to make decisions in the chain of command for the guys below you on the chain of command. That's how command works. And you don't always have to like it. Now, you can roll the dice and jump the chain of command. Yeah, that's, I mean, you can do that. It's not a good thing to do if you're wrong. Okay? I, I did not like people jumping the chain of command for me, and they did very few, very, very rarely. Um, you especially look at this where, you know, Modley, of course, had, had, had given uh, Crozier, uh, according to Modley, the uh, uh, ability to communicate with him directly about what he needed. That would have driven me crazy as a commander. Probably gave his commander heartburn because... If somebody is operating outside your chain of command, right, he's telling your subordinates what to do, and you're not, so you don't have the capacity to do your job. If somebody above you is directly ordering them, that's why you have a chain of command. And, you know, so I I got a little heartburn with that decision by Modley to uh, give him that, but apparently he didn't use it. Apparently he decided, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to email my concerns in a four-page letter, detailed letter, about this uh, aircraft carrier situation, a major strategic asset for the United States, and I'm going to email it to 40 people outside of chain of command. And Modley came back and said, uh, hey, you, you you can't do that. And of course, now I've got another beef with what Modley did later. We'll talk about that. But um, Modley got in trouble and, and actually got fired for using the phrase, you know, stupid or naive or naive or stupid. And I think that was what, what he said was he didn't call Crozier stupid. That's just a lie. And you should be a little more sophisticated and understand that the Twitter blue check mob will lie about you. So you don't want to give them that. But uh, he said, look, if, if Crozier thought this wasn't going to get out, he was being stupid or naive, which I think is something you can't argue. 
So there's three choices. A, he knew this was going to get out to the media and was willing to take that chance. B, he was naive and didn't think anybody. I thought all of these people will keep it under wraps. Or B or C, he was stupid. What? You mean people might re- release information that I don't keep in channels? He said on unclassified medium. So the Chinese, Russians, and Iranians, and North Korea, everybody's going to know about this stuff. And of course they did. They all knew that a major strategic asset, the Teddy Roosevelt, was out of commission. Now, you can't do that, okay? You can't tell the entire world that a major strategic asset like the Teddy Roosevelt is out of commission. You just can't do that. That's not okay. Um, I think Crozier had to be fired for that. You can't do that. That's just, you can't do that. Now, understandably, a lot of junior officers uh, really support the commander, and you saw them cheering as he left, and a lot of enlisted guys. Um, I've had, you know, I've talked to senior non-commissioned officers, that's the senior sergeants or petty officers, and they all like, yeah, he needed to be fired. And here's another little tidbit. Modley said, um, this guy never talked to the chief petty officer on the boat. The senior non-commissioned officer has a job. His job is to keep you from being a freaking idiot and doing stupid things. Sir, you're being stupid. Don't do that. And I think that's what the petty officer would have said. There's other ways we can handle it. They say they've got stuff inbound. Let's let them do the job. Have you talked to the admiral, sir? You know, a, a, the senior NCO can do that with the commander if the commander listens. Apparently, a commander didn't talk to the senior NCO. So for me, big red flag right there. Big red flag. Anybody who's not talking to a senior NCO before he makes uh, a major decision like that, I've got immediate concerns. But, um, yeah, the same, now, senior NCOs seem to, seem to support the firing. Uh, senior officers seem to. I've had, uh, I've talked to a number of them, and they're like, out, gone. Uh, not surprisingly, most senior guys are very protected of the chain of command. In their, and, and that's not because they hate the guys and they hate all this stuff. It's because you can't do your job if other people are jumping the chain of command. Now, keep in mind the whole, this guy is a hero. And a lot of the younger enlisted, a lot of junior officers seem to think Captain Crozier is a hero. There is an unspoken assumption there that Crozier's the only guy who cared about his men. That's not true. Okay? That is just baloney. Uh, the, the, idea of having a Captain Bly or a Captain Queeg uh, happens. You know, there are bad leaders out there and bad generals and bad admirals. I've dealt with some of them. Uh, the majority are not. Now, I didn't agree with all the generals I work for. Not all the time. Um, I tried to give them my best advice, and then, then they told me what we were going to do. Uh, just like my subordinates tried to give me their best advice, and then I told them what we were going to do. And I, I tried to listen when their advice was good, and you know, when, when, when it wasn't so good, I, I did other things. Uh, a lot of junior officers, uh, guys I respect. These are not guys I think are bums or losers. They're like, you know, he really wanted to take care of his guys. And I get that. But you've got to do more than take care of your guys. Remember priorities, the hierarchy of priority, mission first. Second priority, taking care of your guys. And I and that's a hard lesson. But let me give you an example. The um, In... In prepping for uh, an operation in the military, uh, you know, we, we look at the kind of operation and then we take some charts that the military's established over, you know, hundreds of years of, uh, you know, fighting. And uh, we can pretty much figure out casualties. We have a pretty good idea of what it's going to take to attack a defended hilltop, for instance. Now, why do we plan that? 
well, a couple obvious reasons. You want to you want to begin getting the process of uh, uh, getting replacements in. You want to uh, alert the medical guys. Make sure you have medical assets uh, to assist. Uh, you also want to know what the cost is going to be. So you can decide if, the, if it's worth it. But, you know, sometimes it's worth it to lose guys. And that's a hard lesson. You know, a good commander just adores his troops. A good commander will do anything he can for them except one thing, which is fail the mission. He'll do anything for his troops except fail in the mission. That's the one thing that you cannot do. And that's the one thing they've got no right to ask. We all sign on a dotted line. Um, you know, I'm very lucky. I never, I never had to order anybody to get killed. Um, you know, there was a situation where I thought I was going to, but that, that never happened. And I'm very glad because, God, I, I, I never lost a guy. I've been there when other people lost guys uh, or got hurt. And uh, I got to tell you, it's no fun. It's not, I mean, it's terrible. And you don't stop thinking about it. But the mission always comes first. You have to accomplish the mission. And, you know, I don't think junior officers uh, who adore Crozier are bad guys. I think they are guys who are young. I think they are guys who don't have the same experience and don't have the same perspective. Um, I would... Uh, I would worry about any officer who easily said, you know, screw these guys. We're going to go on with the mission. I don't care. That's not the answer either. You can do more than one thing. You can walk and chew gum. You can address the situation. But sometimes you've got to suck things up. And if that was the chain of command's decision, it didn't have to be. They might have said, oh, yeah, we're not at war. We can take the Roosevelt offline for a while. Probably have to tell the president about it. Probably have to brief him about it. That's going to be an ugly discussion. But we'll we'll tell him why he's got one you know one third of his combat power in the Pacific is uh, you know sitting in Guam, unable to function. You know we'll we'll tell him, and maybe he'll say no. Get that get that the hell back out in the water. At which point you'll do that. But it wasn't Captain Crozier's uh, position to do that. He didn't get to make that decision. Again, you can always protest. You always put stuff in writing. You know, sir, I'm giving you a memo where I told you to do X, Y, and Z. It's a CYA memo. Cover your, you know what. Um, also, not necessarily a great career builder if you're wrong. Um, nobody, uh, nobody likes that. That can be a chicken scratch kind of thing. It's not necessarily somebody who's... Uh, uh, got anybody's best interest in mind but his own. I don't know Crozier. Uh, I know his guys liked him, so I kind of suspect he is probably a guy who really thought a lot of his troops. And them cheering as he left the ship, I think, uh, you know, I, I think it said a lot about what his guys thought of him. Um, although what your guys think of you in that way is actually not important in the big scheme of things. And, um, you know, I say that I, I, I think I was pretty popular as a commander. I mean, they never, you know, set me on fire or anything. Uh, and they seem sad when I left. But, you know, if your job, if you're trying to be popular, if you're doing things because you want your guys, you know, to like you, you're not doing your job. 
the guys will be perfectly happy with somebody who rolls over for him. They will also be happy with somebody who is very tough but will get the mission done because they know he will have good judgment. He won't squander them. Uh, he won't do stupid things. And if there's a price to be paid, it's a price he couldn't think of. A way, there's no way you could get out of. So, and I, I don't know what the Crozier situation is. I do know he showed bad judgment. When Modley said, you know, he's stupid or naive, if he thought he wasn't going to have this thing get out, this letter, well, I, I think that's an accurate assessment. I think everybody should have known that. Uh, and maybe he intended it to get out. Now, of course, there was the giant liar. Modley called him stupid. He didn't call him stupid. Okay. He said there's three possible answers for why he did this, which is true. And I got to tell you, though, as much as I approve of what Modley did, and as impressed as I was with Hugh's interview with him, uh, I thought it was a terrible, terrible misjudgment to go on board that ship and give that speech to the crew. And let me tell you why. Um, the first thing is, this was always already a volatile situation. A very important job for the, you know, every naval officer is to make sure you are not embarrassing the commander by becoming an issue. Well, relieving Crozier had already made him an issue. And I thought he explained why very well, and he should have just shut up. Flying out to the aircraft carrier for a distinguished visitor visit, I think, in some cases, could have been arguable. I think in this one, it was not a great idea. And giving that speech, I think, was a huge misjudgment, which is strange because Modley was an uh, Annapolis graduate. This, this was a guy who understood some about the military. I don't understand why he felt compelled to go on there. And again, stupid or naive that he thought this wouldn't get out. Okay. The SEC Navy, you know, somebody called it a, uh, a senior NCO called it a great butt chewing. And I guess it was. But that, you know, you know, the Secretary of the Navy does not chew the butts of 5,000 sailors. That's what he does with admirals, okay? His job's not there to go um, tell these guys, get your stuff together. Um, and I think it's just throwing gasoline off fire. And I think it's frankly poor taste and poor judgment to criticize the commander uh, to all his men, Okay. He made, Modley made his statement. I lost confidence in him for X, Y, Z reasons. And he made that public, done. You don't bring it up again. And one of your jobs as the Secretary of Navy is not to embarrass your commander in chief. And he created a hassle for the president that did not have to be. And again, I thought Modley was very impressive when you interviewed him. But boy, I think this is a giant misjudgment too. And he embarrassed the president. You don't get to do that, especially when the president's dealing with a pandemic. You don't get to be a problem. It is not about Modley's career. It is not about his, uh, you know, prestige. That is the least important consideration. And when you screw up, you do what he did and you leave. Okay. So Crozier was wrong. Modley was wrong. What, was it fair and right what happened to Modley? Uh, again, I there, there are people who told me, hey, this is, you know, he, I really liked what Modley did. Okay, I, I disagree. And uh, <laughs> so did my Gasper. Uh, the uh, SecDef, 
And uh, at the end of the day, that's really all that matters. He became more of a, pro- a problem, uh, more of a liability than an asset. So he had to go. Um, you know, uh, just like, you know, sailors, I don't want to use the word expendable because that's that's a terrible word and that doesn't reflect it. But just because, uh, uh, you know, sailors and soldiers, uh, Marines, airmen, Coast Guard, seamen, uh, are sometimes exposed to danger, and that's part of the job. Part of the job for being the Secretary of the Navy is taking the hit when the hit comes down the road, and that's uh, that's what happened. So Modley, I think Modley had to go, Crozier had to go, and I'm not happy about any of it. I wish none of it ever happened. I hate to see a guy who had a great career uh, and an amazing command, and certainly would have been uh, a flag officer, would have been an admiral. Lose everything, lose his career, he's done, he's finished. I guess, I guess the president could directly be brought back. I would not recommend that. But again, I'm not the commander in chief. Y'all didn't vote for me. Um, yeah, I just the whole thing makes me sad. I'm not happy about any of this. I'm not excited. I don't like seeing full colonel fired. I've seen full colonels fired. I don't like it. Oh, captain, you know, 06. It's just, but I also don't like trying to make this guy into a hero because he, he, he wasn't. I don't know if he was a bad guy. He certainly made a huge error and he should have known better. And hey, you're in the big leaves. You're commanding a major strategic asset. Just like you're you're in the big leagues. You're a secretary of the Navy. You don't get to make rookie mistakes. I wish that Crozier had, you know, talked to his admiral, talked to his uh, senior NCO. I wish, you know, I wish, uh, what's your McCon? Modley had, uh, you know, talked to his senior, talked to a senior enlisted guy at the Navy. They've got a, they've got a, you know, chief petty officer of the Navy or something like that. And say, what do you think? You think I should do this? He would have gone, hell no, sir. That's the dumbest damn thing I ever heard. Which is the job of a senior NCO. I can't tell you how many times my command sergeant major told me, sir, don't do that. That's a big mistake. You're going to regret it. I did well, I think, (laughs) in significant part because when, you know, sergeant major said that's stupid. I said, oh, well, maybe, maybe I should think it again. Or when I, my other guy say, hey, sir, that's a bad idea. Here's why. Okay, I'm, I'm listening now. Maybe I won't agree, but I, I will listen. Um, the whole thing is sad. And the whole thing is unnecessary. Um, I don't know what the answer is. I think the, uh, I think the new Secretary of Navy, and I think the Navy is the most troubled of all the services. Uh, I think they've had, you know, Army's got problems, Air Force has problems. Navy's got real problems. Not just in ships, but in leadership. Uh, you know, and I come from a Navy family. I'm the first selector who was Army in God knows how long. The rest of them were Navy. So they're not thrilled about, you know. This. I'm not thrilled to say, you know, that the Navy Navy needs some help. It's had some very bad uh, secretaries of the Navy uh, prior to the president. And it didn't have a uh, full-time guy. You know, Modley was acting. And I would like to see him get back uh, i would like to see a navy get back some uh, uh some leadership and start establishing things and if and if what crozier did is emblematic 
of their senior field grade officers. If, you know, they generally think this is a good idea, I, I think that I think that would reflect a problem as well within the Navy. You know, Hugh talks a lot about the 355-ship Navy, and it's important to have equipment. Your most important equipment is human beings. Okay? You have to take care of your human capital. You have to take care of your people. Uh, and that means having an organization that runs effectively with a clear chain of command and that doesn't devolve into uncontrollable chaos. And that's that's what happened the last couple of weeks with the Teddy Roosevelt. I hope we never see anything like that again. I, I just I just find the whole thing horrifying. And uh, and I think that's that. So anyway, uh, that, those are my thoughts uh, on this horrible Teddy Roosevelt thing. Uh, part of the Hugh Hewitt-themed uh, podcast, Fighting Words. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you'll listen uh, next week when we come back again. Keep listening to Hugh because I try and cue off of what he's been doing. Um, and, of course, a lot of it's coronavirus. I think Franklin corona it out. I'm, uh, you know... No more uh, corona kind of thing happening. So anyway, I want you to uh, go check out my town hall columns every Monday and uh, Thursday. You can get a special uh, extra one on Wednesday if you join Town Hall VIP. I also do chats with uh, uh, Hugh Hewitt favorite Larry O'Connor, who's now at Town Hall, and Chris Stegall. We do those Thursdays, at least during this this crisis. And then uh, we... Uh, you know, follow me on Twitter if you, you know, I'm not FCC and compliant there. Uh, and uh, go get my books, you know, Collapse and People's Republic, Indian Country. They're all fun. You'll like them. Anyway, stick around and uh, I'll see you next time on Fighting Words with Kurt Schlichter. Thanks a lot. <laughs>